How many times have you quoted the phrase, He restoreth my soul, without really thinking about the words? What constitutes our soul? What does it mean to restore something? Why does our soul need restoring? Today on Grace Notes, Barbara Sandbeck will answer these questions as she continues the study of the 23rd Psalm. The best way for me to understand a biblical phrase is to first define the words. So, let's start there. What is our soul? Our soul is the immaterial part of us, our mind, emotions, and will. The soul in union with the body is called bios, or physical life, given by Almighty God. Genesis 2-7 states, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. At death, the body returns to dust, and the soul lives on, according to Matthew 10.28, because it's the part of a person that never dies. Our soul will spend eternity either in hell, which is spiritual death, or heaven, which is spiritual life. Spiritual life, or zoe, is the union of the soul with God. 2 Corinthians 5.8 states that when a person who is in Christ is absent from the body, they are present with the Lord. To be in Christ, our soul must be restored. The word restore means to renew or to bring in harmony those who are in variance. Our ancestors Adam and Eve were created in perfect union with God, but sin severed that union for them and for us too. Romans 5.12 says, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The essence of sin is man choosing to live independent of God, who said that he will meet all our needs as we live our life in Christ. Sin brings spiritual death, and with it a loss of significance, security, and the sense of belonging. God's eternal plan was to restore the harmony and union he enjoyed with Adam at creation. He made this possible through his son Jesus. Romans 5.19 says, Just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. Jesus said of himself in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus likened himself to a shepherd searching for a lost sheep. Left to itself, a sheep wanders off into the wilderness and dies, so the shepherd diligently searches for it and brings it back into the fold. Then he binds up its wounds. Christ's death provided healing or restoration from the effects of sin. 1 Peter 2.24 says of Christ, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This healing affords us a return of what we lost. We reclaim the rule over the creatures God created, including Satan, for in Christ he has no power over us. We're secure because the riches of his kingdom are at our disposal, and so is his promise to supply all our needs, according to Philippians 4.19. We regain the sense of belonging, which comes from intimate fellowship with God. 1 Peter 2.25 says, You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer or caretaker of your souls. When we turn from our sin to God and accept Jesus as Savior, 
Our union with God is established. Jesus, our great shepherd, rescues us wandering sheep from the craig leading to eternal death. And he does this because of his great love. Out of his great love, he picked me up, set my feet on a sturdy rock. Out of his great love, I've learned the meaning of salvation. Out of his great love, out of his great love, he picked me up, set my feet on a sturdy rock. Out of his great love, I've learned the says, He who hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Master Restorer. He begins the restoration process by saving us when we call on His name. And He continues restoring us through a process called sanctification. Another description for the word restore is to bring back to original condition or revive. We are constantly being bumped and bruised by sin. I look at it this way. My mom has restored many antiques over the years. She is meticulous in her work, going through several processes to get the furniture back to its original beauty. It's much like what God puts us through to make us what He created us to be. See if you can parallel this procedure with God's work in you. First, to remove the old chipped paint... She brushes on a chemical solution, lets it sit a while until it bubbles up, and then uses a putty knife to scrape it off. This is the toughest part of the job for the furniture and for us. Our soul is tainted and chipped away by the effects of sin. The years of rebellion have coated the beauty God placed in us. The chemical solution God uses is conviction. It reminds me of pouring peroxide on a cut. The presence of bubbles indicates that there are germs present. This is the hardest step to endure, especially when the putty knife is used. It's like the pruning Jesus talked about in John 15. He said, My father is a gardener. Every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it can be even more fruitful. Ouch! I've been there. 
The Greek word for prune also means clean. The solution can bring up rough places in the wood, so now it's time to use sandpaper to even it out. So, too, when the Holy Spirit brings to the surface what needs to be changed in us, sandpaper or trials are most often what he uses to effect the change. The next step is interesting. She uses turpentine to clean off the sandpaper dust. I thought turpentine was only used as a paint thinner, but it can also be used medicinally as a liniment. It's called oil or spirit of turpentine. Once conviction takes place and we confess our sin, the Holy Spirit brings His soothing oil of comfort to bind our wounds. To get the sandpaper dust out of the grooves, she takes an oyster knife and wraps a rag around it so it won't scratch the surface. Our Father knows precisely how much house cleaning is necessary to clean us up. He doesn't miss a spot, but He is gentle. Oh, so gentle, so as not to damage our spirit. The last preparation step is to apply wood alcohol, another cleaning solution, to remove the turpentine. Now, we're ready to put on the finish. It's a clear liquid, like varnish, so you'll be able to see the wood. She puts it on with a brush, uses a fine steel wool pad to smooth it out, and then removes the dust with a damp cloth. This process is repeated. And if she wants to be able to sit a cup on the surface, she repeats it once more. The final task is to take a tack cloth and completely remove the dust, leaving it smooth. God continually works on our rough surfaces to make us smooth and polished. As we allow Him to repeat the process, we'll find that even the sandpaper people in our life won't leave a mark when they sit on us, so to speak. God purifies us to make us clear or see-through, so the light of Christ can be seen in us. Hebrews 13.21 says that God wants to make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. The tack cloth process won't take place until Christ takes us home, where we'll receive glorified bodies to replace the ones made from dust. The restoration process is indeed uncomfortable. We're like sheep who get dirty traveling the path of life. But unlike our first calling to salvation where the shepherd goes out and searches for the lost sheep, our Father does not chase us when we stray again. He watches and waits for his prodigals to come home where our broken vessels can be mended. Our Father, the Master Potter, repairs the breaks, removes the old things, and remolds his clay so his beauty in us can be seen. Then he gives us a new beginning. I guess we've all been there Searching for the reasons why When every dream is shattered And there's no hope inside But when we're caught in the storms of life I found one thing is true If I don't drown in the troubled waters I'll be a better swimmer When I'm through You've never started over again And when you're looking for the bottom And it's looking like the end It's a perfect time for beginning Cause you've got a break to mend
been a Grace Notes production. Your cards and letters would greatly encourage us, so please write to Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047, or email us through our new web address at www.gracenotesradio.com. Join us on our next program. Until then, let your Grace Notes be a song of praise. Praise.